Hey everyone, welcome to the Grabs Podcast, where we bring the stories of real life rescues to you firsthand from those involved. Uh, I'm your host today. My name is Grant. With me, I've got Dale Hall from Cadillac, Michigan, and we're going to be talking about his department and a grab that they made on September 29th, 2020. So Dale, welcome. Thanks for having me. Um, Tell us a little bit about yourself and your department. Uh, So I've been uh, in the fire service for since 2009, so a while, Uh, quite a bit of paid on call time. I've been career for uh, three and a half years now. So I was actually just off probation um, when that, when this particular call happened, but um, so yeah, I've been, uh, been in service service for a while. Um, My department uh, where I'm at now, city Cadillac, uh, pretty small career, single station. Uh, There's only 11 of us uh, full-timers. The 11th guy is the fire marshal. So he can help out when he's there, obviously, but, and uh, we have a shared director with the police, so we're not we're not PSO or anything, but we have a shared director with the cops. Um, and uh, yeah, so pretty small little uh, single uh, single house department. So if you guys get uh, a house fire, what are you getting on that? Do you guys get auto aid, mutual aid, paid on call guys coming, or the off duty guys coming back, or how's how's that work? Yeah, so we have. Uh, so yeah, we're kind of in the process still, like kind of revamping the the automatic mutual aid. Um, but yeah, we'll always get. Um, we do have some paid on calls that can't work shifts, but then come in for fires, obviously, and off duty full time. So yeah, basically the, the on duty, it's either gonna be three or four guys on on duty at a time, and then usually a couple between off duty full time and paid on calls will come in. Um, and then uh, ways right now, we'll always ask for for aid if if it's not automatic, we'll ask for it as we all go out the door so so there's a pretty sounds like there's a pretty good delay in you guys getting help so it's like three or four guys in cowboy time or what yeah pretty much so because all our neighbors at that time were all all paid on call our surrounding fire stations so now the one has full-time staffing and the other one has pretty regular staffing so uh now it's a little better for that but yeah at the time it was uh, yeah, basically the three or four guys for, for a few minutes at least. All right. Or for more than that. <laughs> What's uh, So how how do you guys get business done only having that many guys, knowing that you got to put water in the fire and get a search done and do everything? How do you prioritize tasks? Uh, yeah, it's definitely tricky. Um, so you basically the, uh, the officer is going to be, you know, doing suppression with, with the firefighter and then the engineers, uh, doing everything else from laying in to hooking up everything. And so we, we all kind of got to do a little bit of everything. And, uh, yeah, I mean, basically just suppression is, you know, is getting in there and is pretty much the main thing we can do. Um, you know, in the event that there's, you know, potential rescue, um, obviously that's priority, but we're still going with the handline. So most of the time I can't say every time, but I mean, but for the most part, we would we would pretty much plan on going in with the hose line no matter what. Gotcha. So, uh, Dale, I'm the new fireman working with you today. Can you tell me how what what that game plan is going to look like? So I got an idea that we're going to stretch in, and then once we got a knock on the fire, how are we divvying up those search tasks, or how, what's what's that going to look like with you and me on that rig? 
Um, yeah. So once we get the line in there, uh, I mean, for the most part, we can. I mean, it's not like we got to be, um, you know, attached at the hip. We're pretty good about, you know, if, you know, we feel like somebody's on the on the nozzle. If one of us, you know, the other guy can kind of branch off, you know, search our room here and there, some spaces around, depending on conditions, obviously, uh, kind of as we go. And then once we got a knock on the fire, we would probably switch a little bit more to to searching around real quick before we, you know, worry about mop up. All right. Well, cool. Why don't you take us to September 29th, 2020, and let's talk about that call. Okay. Um, yeah, so it was kind of a weird day that morning. Um, I think most of us there weren't even supposed to be on shift. The the officer and senior guy that were on shift that day were out of town and actually getting, going to look at our new engine that was getting built. So the senior firefighter uh, from my shift actually was the acting lieutenant that morning. And then the other firefighter from my shift and I were both there. And then I had gotten held over though. So, cause our, so we have a partnership with, uh, with uh, one of the private ambulance companies around. And so we'll take turns kind of driving the medic around. And if we go out of our coverage area on ambulance call, which is usually pretty common nowadays, uh, we'll, we'll backfill another guy. So we have three guys there. And uh, so I was actually held over cause our, the only guy that was actually on shift, supposed to be on shift that day was on ambulance call. And, uh, so it's kind of a ragtag crew, but it's pretty small groups. We all work together so much. It doesn't really matter, you know, who's supposed to be there and who's not. So, um, so that the call comes in for, I don't remember exactly what it didn't sound, you know, like right off the bat, you know, it wasn't like an obvious, you know, you had a for sure fire, um, and just maybe smoke, smoke in the area of a house or something. So, and actually that our ambulance had just cleared the hospital. So they, they were already moving. So they got there first. And obviously in the meantime, we're, we're rolling our, we usually just run just two engines, um, with between the three of us guys. So we're, we start rolling ambulance gets there. They confirm we have probably working fire and they have that smoke showing. So we get there and start gearing up. And then I kind of, usually I'm the engineer on shift, but I forgot that I wasn't actually on shift that day. I was just covering. So the actual, the other guy was like, um, uh, you know, so I'm getting ready to hook up the, the LDH and do everything. And he's like, Oh, I got it. And I'm like, all right, you're going to tell me twice. So, so I throw a pack on and meet my, uh, the firefighter at the front door. He had already stretched the line and, uh, we had, I'm pretty light smoke coming through, coming from the, from the house. Uh, it was all shut up and, uh, just a little, like, uh, I don't know, not, not like kind of like a trailer, maybe a little bigger, bigger. So the, uh, the acting lieutenant had already done his 360. And, uh, and our, actually our PSD had showed up and which I don't know how, cause he usually doesn't get there that quick. So he came up and said, Hey, one of the neighbors said there might be a guy in there. And my partner was like, well, go like ask her if she's like pretty sure or not, you know, not just all willy nilly. And he comes back a few minutes later as I'm finishing masking up at the door. And he's like, yeah, the neighbor's pretty sure he's in there. So we're like, all right. So we go in and, uh, Force the door, going with the hose line, and we had pretty right off the bat. Anyway, we had uh, decent smoke condition in there. You could only see maybe a, a foot or less in front of you. So we start moving in, and there's kind of a it was, the house was kind of oriented a little weird. So there was like a room kind of right in right in the door. We searched that real quick, and there was like no furniture, so it was like super weird, like out of like the training in our academies. You know, you're in an empty room. <laughs> We're like, that's weird. So we uh, keep moving, come back out, 
come to another room and same thing. We didn't even go in it. You, you could see just up off the floor. I shined my box light through there and there was no, again, no furniture. And we could see it was totally empty. I'm like, well, we're good there. Uh, so we started advancing a little further and then uh, we got a little more smoke and you could feel the heat a little bit. At that time, we could kind of see a little glow ahead of us, which was where the kitchen was. So we're kind of feeling by then we were in like the living room area. So my partner was on the, on the nozzle. He's kind of advancing a little bit and I'm kind of, you know, behind him a little ways, kind of feeling around uh, in the living room area, trying to get our, you know, get a feel for how big that living room was. And uh, we come across the dog. I felt that. And at first I was like, oh, no, I'm just a dog. And uh, like, all right, I'm going to go up a little further and start, you know, putting a knock on this. You kind of, you know, branch out a little bit. And as he did that, I kind of, we noticed that there's a bedroom right to my left. And I look over and I can see a pair of legs. I'm like, oh, that's definitely him. So I kind of crawl up on top of him and see that he was, you know, he's he just laying there on his back and uh, wasn't awake. So I yell back to my partner. I'm like, hey, we got him. He finishes, he shuts the line down, come back. I tried to radio out that we found him. We were coming out. I didn't get a response. I'm like, well, I'm not going to wait, you know. So we we pick him up and we just, I got his legs and he got his arms. We just dirty drug him the way, right off the way we came. Um, and just from his quick little hit, we had just a little bit left in condition. So we could pretty easily kind of see. It is obviously not a super big house either. So we were able to kind of drag him out with the way we the way we came in and right out front and uh, set him in the grass out front. And it's actually kind of interesting. I don't know. It's, I guess, not really funny. I thought it was kind of funny. So a lot of times we do when we do training, you know, with like pulling victims out, as soon as you get that the dummy out, like the evolution's over, right? But like in real life, that's not the end of it. You know, you still got like a person you got to worry about. So when I, so in a lot of trainings, I always was joking with the guys, like as soon as we get out, I would go to start doing compressions right away without taking any of my stuff off. And so then I actually did that because I, I practiced that just, I guess, like the way it probably should be. And, and I went to go with certain compressions right as we laid him down and he, he moved or something a little bit. So I gave him just a big storm rub instead and he opened his eyes. He was like, holy cow, he's awake. So, and by then I looked up and the medic was dragging the cot over. And so they got him and uh, the medic grabbed him and my partner's like, Hey, let's go back in and finish, you know, putting this fire out. So I'm like, okay. So. Why don't you, uh, so hit again, what the smoke conditions were like in the house and then in the room where you found the guy. So when we first got in, um, it was, yeah. I have fairly thick. You could see, yeah, like I said, maybe a foot or so in front of you. Um, but we had also maybe, a, a, you know, on the floor, probably a, maybe a little over a foot you could see from the floor too. So we were doing, um, so we were obviously crawling around um, like duck walking style. And we could kind of, we had decent visibility down there. Uh, once we got closer and especially when he uh, opened the nozzle, um, by then we were, it was pretty close to the kitchen. So it was definitely a lot darker there with much less visibility. And in the room, like I, when I, like when we stopped and I'd seen his legs, you know, I could, I could kind of barely see him. But when I crawled in, I mean, basically had to have my mask almost down on his face to, to get a good look at his face. So, so it was basically like light, pretty well laid on top of him to get a good look at him. So we had that, the smoke was that thick at that time in, in the room he was in, cause it was right off the kitchen. And he was on the floor. In that room? Yep. On the floor on his back. Yep. Uh, what was the uh, victim size? 
Uh, he was, I don't know, probably fairly tall, probably in the, you know, the mid five foot range. Uh, but he was an older, like elderly guy. He was sweet, but he's pretty thin. So, I mean, maybe 150 pounds, 120 pounds, somewhere in that range. So it was, so we actually, I mean, we really didn't even drag him hardly. I mean, we were able to basically just pick him up with his arms and legs and, and carry him out. Uh, was he slippery at all or did he fight with you guys at all? Or did he just pretty much take it? Yeah, no, it was, uh, it had been quick enough, but he, no, he wasn't slippery and, uh, he was, I mean, I, I thought he was out. I mean, he didn't move at all. So it didn't make a sound and didn't, didn't move and fight us at all. I mean, it was basically dead weight. So that's why I was surprised when we got him out and I, he, you know, started, he opened his eyes. So it was pretty incredible. Nice. So, um, you train for this, you get it. What do you now? How do you, how do you teach the newer guys that come on or illustrate the, 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 the point that it's not always the big cities that are making the grabs that, that the, the smaller towns, the limited staffing, uh, you guys got to be diligent in dividing up your workload, but you know, the victim still only has so much time, uh, regardless how many people are coming out. So how do you, how do you, how do you share that now and pass it on? Um, yeah, so, I mean, I totally was with that. I mean, especially with my, my pay on call time before I was like, you know, we, you know, we're not the kind of fire departments that are going to save people. Like, you know, that's the more urban areas, like, you know, we're not, it's never going to happen to us, you know, just like, you know, bad things at a fire, you know, you just have that thought process. It's never going to happen. And, uh, so now I'm, I'm one of the academy instructors around here. And so, yeah, now I have kind of the opportunity to, to help kind of convey that, you know, even if you're paying on call department, because like a lot of our neighbors still are, um, you know, it's not really a matter of, you know, it's not, it won't happen to your department. It's, it's when, like, it's, you're probably going to have one. If you're, if you stay in this job long enough, you know, there's a pretty good chance you're going to have one. And that's why it's so important to, you know, cause we, I mean, a lot of us train for search pretty regularly, but you know, I think a lot of people still don't really have that mindset that like, that it will happen. That's just something they train for cause it could but I guess been trying to reiterate to them, like, you know, I didn't think it could happen to me. And then we had one. So now it's like, you know, we train over all the time because it will happen. It's not that I could, it will. It's just a matter of when. Talk about the uh, time frame that all this went down in, if you could. So do you know about um, from time to dispatch to arrival to victim out? Do you kind of know that time range for the, for the listeners? Yeah. Yeah. I got the times here. Um, so the call came in at, that? Uh, 9.25 a.m. And let's see here. We um, or actually, no, so I guess it was, yeah, so 9.25. Um, let's see. So we're in route pretty much within a minute. Um, our ambulance got there on scene two minutes later, reported smoke showing. Um, we got there at 9.29. And then the timestamp for the victim out, the dispatch put in there was 937. So. Nice. So from, from time of dispatch yeah. to victim out was 12 total minutes. And that takes into account dispatching response time, you know, out the door time, search time. So yeah. that's outstanding. Yeah. And it was, uh, you know, it wasn't super close. Uh, you know, kind of not all the way across town, but, you know, decent ways away. So. Uh, you know, obviously I think the response was the longest part of that. So, and obviously when we got there, we didn't have any mutual aid yet either. I mean, they weren't even, 
I mean, they weren't obviously even when we got there, they weren't even got the dude out. You could hear, you know, the cues screaming in the background of, you know, they were a couple blocks away, but um, yeah, it was just, just the, basically the four of us for that, for, for that entire 12 minutes. Nice. Well, cool, Dale. I appreciate you reaching out. Is there anything else you wanted to add to this call? Eh, I guess not really. It's just uh, actually, well, I guess just one of the things I think we kind of, you mentioned it uh, when we, when we met the down there in South Bend, I was like, you know, it, it was very insignificant. It seemed like, and you were like, yeah, they ate a lot of mine. You know, it's like, I guess that's kind of another interesting point. Like, you know, it was just, just a random fire that we pulled the guy out of. It wasn't any crazy big, you know, no fanfare, no, not a big, it wasn't a big notable fire at all. It was just, just a little house fire and we pulled the guy out of. So it's kind of interesting that I don't think a lot of people think that if you have a save, it's going to be some big crazy thing. And man, it's just a, just a regular house fire. Yeah. Yeah, We run every day, so. That's good. Most of the time I have to twist people's arms to come on and do the show. But the funny thing is, is I get so many people that say they love hearing the stories and uh, we're not here to just only highlight the the crazy, you know, like award winning ones. But if we occupy space, we're going to find human beings and it just happens. So uh, there's yeah. something that we learn from each one. So, you know, I, I definitely love hearing the ones where they're short staffed because that's not the environment that I live in anymore and work in, but I know a lot of people that are listening do. So if people right. want to get a hold of you to find out yeah, how absolutely. you, uh, what, whatever that you can do to help them with, with that limited staffing search culture, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Uh, so yeah, they can, uh, they can email me, uh, dale.hall330 at outlook.com. Oh, cool. And, uh, yeah, I'm not, uh, I don't have a lot going on, so I can probably reply to an email pretty quick. So, <laughs> Good. All right, Dale. Well, thanks for sharing. Uh, anyone that's listening, if you get a grab or assist, uh, we'd like to hear about it. And uh, just uh, go on Firefighter Rescue Survey, fill out that information that's for us and by us. If you want to record it, you can do it anonymously or uh, you can tell us all the details and you can reach out to me, Grant Schwalbe at gmail.com or 239-898-0843. But uh, thanks for listening. Keep preaching the search word and stay aggressive.